thank you for joining us for another episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. Today, we are going to blow your mind. Are we? No, probably not. Was that not. part of the plan? I don't know. <laughs> Do some beer facts. Do beer facts blow your mind? Because then we're going to freaking blow them. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got really excited at the beginning and it's just petered out now. You're, yeah, really fast. <laughs> we're going to have to... You put my mind blowing into question and now I, I, I can't deal what? with that kind of stress. <laughs> I was all jazzed up to blow some minds. <laughs> How about instead of blowing minds, we we transport ourselves to a nice tropical island? Ooh, I like that. There I we like go. That. Okay. All right. I can feel the waves tickling my toes already. <laughs> so, aloha, listeners. This week, we're cracking open Gold Cliff IPA from Kona Brewing Company, which was founded by Cameron Healy and his son, Spoon Kalsa. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, this f- founding father-son duo had a vision to reflect the spirit, culture, and beauty of Hawaii in a collection of local island craft beers. So in 1994, they set out for the big island to bring their dream to life. Ooh. So 25 years later, Kona has become one of the best-selling craft beer brands in the world. And they are very big on Aloha. It's not just the hello or goodbye that we mainlanders just assume it to be. It also means love and welcome, uh, just a general feeling or a way of life. Hmm. Aloha is the idea that we are all connected to everyone and everything around us and that true joy is found in respecting this connection. So Kona says that despite their global success over the years, they've managed to stay true to their Hawaiian roots through innovation, sustainability, and community outreach. And that means going green is really important to Kona, which is cool because that's just a, a few of the brewers that we've talked about so far. I'm really big really, on going green. Yep. Yeah, been focused on that. Um, so to paraphrase from their website, because the future of Mother Earth depends on the way we treat her, We brew our beer sustainably, use solar power energy for our big island brewery. They have on-site gardens to recycle their water. They even use leftover grains by baking them into their pizza crust in the Kailua Kona Brew Pub location. They have also dramatically reduced their reliance on transportation for raw materials, packaging, and distribution by bottling, canning, and producing beer on the mainland at affiliated mainland breweries. That way, this practice allows consumers to get the freshest and most sustainable beer possible from them, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, welcome back. We now have a third co-host for the week who you may hear panting or licking at any given time. (laughs) Small dog. (laughs) Say hi, small dog. All right, so back to Goldcliffe. Uh, Kona actually gives an origin story for this brew, which I really appreciate. It says, quote, Diver's Paradise. At the southern tip of Vanai, not far from the island's first pineapple fields, lies a cobalt blue inlet rimmed with golden cliffs that welcomes divers of every stripe. This is Kaunolu Cove. Catamarans anchor here besides a blade of black rock known as Mokunoyo, uh, <laughs> which I am probably mis. 
uh, pronouncing, where snorkelers explore a dazzling rainbow of tropical fish below and cliff divers soar from the sun-drenched cliffs above. It has been said that the ancient Hawaiians once proved their courage here by making this electrifying 70-foot jump from the, from the famed keyhole that's notch at the jump. top. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a drop. Uh, today, you may still see a fearless adventurer leaping from these rocks into the cool embrace of the Pacific below. I'm going to say not for me. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Maybe I'll, I'll I watch. <laughs> I don't even know if I could watch. I'd be like, oh, my God, they're going to like break their bones as soon as they hit the surface tension of the water. I would just be afraid of rocks down below. Oh, oh, God. A whole new level of fear there. Yeah, it's not so much jumping into water. I'm not afraid of jumping into water. It's jumping into, into rocks from a cliff. Yeah, but just hitting the water hurts. Yeah. Oh, you have tougher skin than I. Tighten up your body. <laughs> Dive in like a bullet. Anyway. <laughs> Goldcliff is one of Kona's year-round brews. It clocks in at 7.2% ABV and has a rating of 50 IBUs, which is pretty, it's just moderate. Mm -hmm. And Kona says this IPA features real pineapple along with bright tropical fruit aromas of mosaic and citra hops and a hint of smooth caramel malt. They also use Chinook and Topaz hops. And more specifically in terms of malts, they use pale two-row, Caramel 10 and acidulated malts. Ooh, acidulated. <laughs> what are acidulated malts? We'll get to it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously Citra again. I've never had Citra hop in a beer before. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they're fairly new to the scene, having been bred in 1990. It imparts a seriously citrusy flavor because of its very high mercine content. And Citra hops have an extraordinary profile of grapefruit, lime, and tropical fruits, but they're not ideal for bittering purposes because citra tends to become very harsh when it's used for that. So it's ideal for IPAs like this one, American Ales, and Ambers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mosaic hops, we have also talked about eh, a, a pretty decent amount. Uh, they have a complex flavor profile, almost like a mosaic. <laughs> and are known for their triple use profile encompassing not just bittering but also flavoring and aroma mosaic is pleasantly hoppy with flavors of mango pine citrus and herbs as well as aromas of tropical and stone fruits it's citra on steroids uh, Chinook, we've definitely mentioned at some point. I don't remember when. This hop was released in 1985, but has grown recently in popularity, probably because they're so versatile at every stage of the boil. Chinook features a pine-like spicy bouquet with robust flavors of grapefruit. They work in seasonal ales and barley wines, porters and stouts, but they're also good in pale ales and IPAs like this one. Mm. And Topaz, which is an Australian hop, was created in 1995 also and features elements of clove-like spice and a light lychee-esque fruitiness. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Uh, so when used alongside a citrus-heavy hop, it gives a surprising like depth of flavor when mixed together. So this is interesting because Topaz was actually used initially as a bittering hop because when you dry hop with Topaz, it, it brings out something completely different. It's it's a grassy and very resinous flavor, but uh, with a lot of experimentation with it in the, in the late 2000s, it led brewers to discover it's worth as a late addition. And that's when it becomes more of the 
the interesting um, lychee and, and clove. So we've talked about pale two-row malts before. It's one of the more commonly used malts, especially for craft beer as opposed to quote-unquote big beer. Boo, big beer. <laughs> Unless big beer wants to sponsor us and then, you know, <laughs> maybe yay, big beer. I'll do anything for money. You whore. Yeah. <laughs> Except for drink it with a satisfied look in public. I can't do that. I'll do it for your commercial, big beer. But like in public, I don't know. That'd be tough. But for I believe more in you. money. So anyway, <laughs> I guess big beer relies more so on six row malts to produce their flavor neutral pilsners. Are there six rows of them? It They're just, yeah, they're different shapes of the wheat, huh. basically. Okay. Um, or at least that's what, a, what I gleaned from my, my <laughs> very brief research online. And then the craft brewers uh, that use two rote malts claim that it contributes to a fuller malt profile with less graininess in the flavor. Okay. Caramel 10 is an excellent addition to any beer requiring a slightly red color um, or mild caramel flavors. So this explains the last part of Kona's description of Goldcliff as having just, just a hint of smooth caramel malt. Mm. Which then brings us to Acidulated malts. Yes. <laughs> it's just fun to say. Acidulated malts. Acidulated. Put him in the acidulator. Just sounds like something Ooh. a supervillain would say. Huh? It does. Yep. So, actually, <laughs> it's a type of malted barley that contains a small amount of lactic acid that gives it a sour taste. So, it's commonly used in small amounts, like between one and five percent, to reduce the pH of the wort or mash. Okay. And this can also add complexity and a, just a slight tartness that helps to highlight certain hop flavors. But when it's used in greater amounts, like eight percent or above, it can actually be used to help sour certain beer styles, like Berliner Weiss and Goza beers. Gozas? Did someone say Gozas? <laughs> So this is instead of souring the kettle by putting the lactobacillus strains straight into the kettle. Okay. 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 And Kona also happens to be in the minority of brewers that actually gives a food pairing suggestion. I've only other come across like two or three other breweries that actually do that. What are we eating? What are we eating with this? <laughs> Uh, for Goldcliff, they say, quote, the infusion of hops and pineapple creates a melody of flavors that complements a wide array of foods. Foods? Foods. <laughs> I wanted to say fruits. <laughs> Having a Goldcliff with smoked pork, grilled ham, or chicken sausage will make any meal a luau. I knew that was coming on account <laughs> of Hawaiian and also pineapple. It even goes well with dessert. Try it with a piece of moist golden cake and you'll have a pineapple upside down experience that is so oh no. I have Delicious. lemon meringue pie in the, the fridge right now. Can You do? Can we pair that with it? I guess. <laughs> Not going to say no to that. But who needs food? Let's crack this open. Let's drink. Time to crack it open. Here's yours, madam. Why, thank you. Here's mine. That's a good crack. That's a good crack. Eh. Not even near the mic. <laughs> Shoot. 
I do appreciate, first off the bat, I just want to say I appreciate this is an actual glass bottle. Yes. Everything is in cans now. And cans just aren't as cool or fun or grown up as a bottle. You just feel grown up when you're drinking beer. Out of a bottle. Out of a glass bottle. It's true. Or pouring it from a glass bottle. So I guess let's uh, clang these bottles and then pour them in the glasses so we can identify the beer. But ah, nice. That is a really nice color. I will. Uh, no. All right. No, I take it back. It does have a slight reddish hue. No, mine really. I think it depends on the light you're looking at. Yours, you're maybe right next to me on this couch, but you look yours looks because it's a little less light. Maybe it's a little darker. Mine's yeah. a very golden color. Well, I I just wanted to inspect the color right off the bat because that hop was so specific about giving a reddish hue or a reddish color. Yeah, but I did not get that. No. <laughs> what I did get when pouring it immediately was the smell of f- fresh pineapple. Yes. I immediately got pineapple. Fresh pineapple. That like, was the first smell I got. Yeah. And smelling the top of this glass, that is still what I get. Like mm-hmm. I can smell that it's beer. But it smells. Yeah, it smells like pineapple. Yeah, it smells like there should be almost like a, a pineapple garnish. Like that's how fresh it smells. I mean, we got. I can get you a pineapple garnish. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, that smells so good. Wow. I wonder where in the, I guess, continental U.S. Kona is brewed if it's not on the island of Hawaii itself. Because this is fresh. It's brewed in Kona, Hawaii, Portland, Oregon, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. New Hampshire. That's cool. So that's probably where we get ours from. Yeah. Which everyone's local here. More local here. More local. (laughs) So. Ooh, it's bitter. But also sweet. Doesn't like pucker up bitter. No, but wow. It has a mouthfeel that seems a lot more carbonated than it is visually. Yes, I will. I, I would agree with that. Like which there's almost not, gives there's it a, not a lot of bubbles going up and there's not a big head. But almost it, gives it a little bit of a bite. Yeah. Other than the fact that it is bitter, it doesn't taste like an IPA. No, not like we're, what we're used to. You know, I, I always talk about, I really like a certain beer that Victory makes mm-hmm. called a Victory Hop Devil. Mm-hmm. And it's extra hoppy. Super bitter. And it has this note, though, of of apple peels. Yeah. And this is almost the pineapple version of that. Oh, like this is I like totally very that. bitter, but almost in a slightly different kind of way. Mm-hmm. But it's very bitter, but it's got a pineapple taste to it instead at the end. Yeah. Which makes it basically a more summery version of Hop Devil. Whereas I, oh, yeah, I find sure. Hop Devil to be something that's really nice in the fall and winter. Oh, it's it's Yeah. Well, that's why this is a little different, though, too, because the Hop Devil bitterness is like more like a winter type beer bitter. Mm-hmm. And this bitterness attacks you in the not in the back of your mouth or in the side of your cheeks where you want to go. Ooh. Yeah, it's really the front of my tongue that gets the the brunt of all the bitter. Mm-hmm. And I don't get much bitter in the back of my tongue or even the sides of my sides or back of my mouth. Like my cheeks aren't going ooh, puckering up or anything. No, like that. not at all. It's sweet. But it's not sweet. It's not like overly sweet. It's not like. We've had beers that are like mango, papaya, grapefruit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like this has a sweetness to it, but it's not, it doesn't lash out at you with that sweetness. It's there to give, it's there for the pineapple. So what's interesting to me is that it is, if it is 7.2% and it's still considered an IPA, not a double IPA, 
I wonder if the IBU rating has more of an effect on that than on a double IPA. I don't know, man. The IBUs are weird. Right? I need to go to beer school. Just really good, though. And like it's it's refreshing in a weird kind of way. In a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's definitely bitter. I'm definitely like I want an IPA, but and, it, and it's hitting you like a strong IPA, but it's not killing you. No. Like that Victory Hop Devil would or like we love Road to Ruin from Two Roads. Mm-hmm. Those heavy like boom. In your face. In your face hops. Not very thirst quenching. Not at all. <laughs> I'm not saying I feel like this is hydrating me at all because it's definitely doing the opposite, but it is it is quenching. It is refreshing me. It is mm-hmm. cooling me down in a way that other beers of this nature don't usually. And I think that part of that has to do with the pineapple and part of that has to do with just the crispness of the definitely. beer. Definitely, yeah. This is crisp. A. F. <laughs> yeah. This is really good though. This is the thing I like about Kona. This is why I, I really wanted to do a Kona. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted it's to do true. one for the summertime because I felt like Kona is really summery because mm-hmm. Hawaii and tropics and stuff like that is all their beers, including this one, have this little sweet bite at the end that I really appreciate. That makes you know it's Kona. I wonder if that is the acidulated malt. Maybe. Maybe Just it is. that little sour lactic acidy. Yeah. I mean, I, this is. I've never had this from Kona before, but no. we've had many of that. I've had many we've other had beers several, from yeah. Kona before. And I think I'm pretty sure they do the beers that they serve at Volcano Bay in Universal Orlando. I would as be well. shocked if they didn't. Because <laughs> they all have a very similar, that similar Kona thing Taste. to the end of them. Yeah, yeah. Which maybe they were going, if it isn't Kona, they definitely look toward Kona to mm-hmm. get that. But yeah, it's just, it's really interesting and it's really unique. And it's like, I always say, ah, tell me it's pineapple or tell me it's grapefruit. Tell me it's mango. Tell me it's apricot. It's like every time with beer, it's like a, a same fruit yeah. each and every time. And this is nice where it's like, it's finally a different fruit. It's pineapple. This doesn't taste like it's distinctly any one of those except for pineapple. And then it's just fruity. It's sweet. Yeah. I think it's almost pineapple. It's through juicy. And through. Yeah. Which I mean, so if you don't like pineapple, I would probably say this isn't for you. Yeah. It's not overly pineapple-y like you would get like a blueberry beer where it's like holy blueberry, but it's it's as close as you could get without getting a fruited beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Though beside from beer, the one other note is pineapple. Pineapple. But if you want something that tastes tropical, you want something that's refreshing, but also kind of strong and and bitter, you like a bitter IPA. Mm Mm-hmm. This is really good for the summertime. Yeah. Whereas most of them are going to make you kind of overheat and they're not going to be cool you down kind of. And they're but not going to feel totally tropical. I could totally see this like being served at a bar on the beach. Oh, for sure. Yeah, smell this. Smell the beach sand mm. in, your, in your nose. You know, hear the ocean waves. Drinking that pineapple. Oh, for sure. I mean, hell, we, we drink Road to Ruins when we're on the beach at the beach bar near That's us. True. So, yep. But, you know, if this was served, absolutely. I would drink this mm-hmm. crisp, the pineapple. Oh yeah. But no, I really like this, this pineapple note to it. I think that's really good and really interesting. And on to the bottle. Here we go. <laughs> so the bottle for the gold cliff is really cool. It's, it's kind of like a bullet almost. It yeah. doesn't have the usual divot between the neck and the, and the bottle, but it's a little longer than your typical like shorty bottles where it's almost it's like that. Almost fat neck. old school, but not. Yeah. Around in the glass, pressed into the glass, it says, liquid aloha and uh, the islands of hawaii the state of hawaii is actually imprinted on it which is really cool on uh, two sides of the bottle along the ribbon on the top of the bottle 
It's Kona Island Brewing, and it looks like there's a little lizard on it in the middle of its symbol. <laughs> Share the thrill with our Gold Cliff IPA, bold yet easygoing, brewed with real refreshing pineapple. Dive in. On Lanai, not far from the island's first pineapple fields, Kanolu Cove welcomes adventurous snorkelers and daring cliff divers alike. And of course, the cover on the main band of the uh, label is a guy in his swim shorts jumping off that cliff into that into that fresh Pacific water. Why not me, sailboat though? down below. What? You, you're not jumping that cliff. I would jump a cliff, just not a 70-foot cliff. Well, he's jumping the 70-foot cliff. <laughs> There's a little tag on it, too, that says, with real tropical pineapple. A little, like, banner on the side. <laughs> And then it's got the government warning on one end, and the other end, it just says where it was uh, brewed. Brewed with pineapple and natural flavor added. Mahalo for drinking responsibly. Kona Brewing Company, Kona, Hawaii, Portland, Oregon, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Interesting is this also has the average analysis. Calories, 211. Carbohydrates, 15.6. I don't want to know that. Protein, 2.12. And fat, zero grams. They don't usually give you the uh, stuff on the bottle. No, for uh, beer. That's interesting. It's usually just available upon request if you ask them. Although I know that a lot of bars now with the new laws, a lot of the bars have to have it have on the have menu itself. At, have it on the menu or at least available for customers as well. So interesting that that's right on the bottle. But yeah, I would love to visit Kona Brewing uh, in Hawaii. That would be awesome. One day we're over here in Connecticut with our two weeks of summer and <laughs> 90 weeks of winter. Basically. <sighs> One day. But if we ever get to go to Hawaii, we're definitely checking out Kona. Oh, absolutely. Again, I, I don't have, care what island <laughs> we're staying on. We're making a special trip. I've I've never had I have not had a beer yet that we have I've not enjoyed from them. This is the first time I've had Gold Cliff, but check them out if you have them near you, which you should, because Kona's everywhere. It is. Definitely check them out. They're interesting and unique, and they have this hint of sweetness at the end of each sip i think it's definitely like so a signature of yeah and yeah i can't think of we talked about it before in the show that some mm-hmm. beer some breweries have like i know where it came from mm-hmm. kona is one of those where it's like that but it's that it's not like oh it has to be an ipa from there it just i get that I get that little hint of sweetness at the end and it's like this little like bing like this little <laughs> light that goes off it's just like kona and i think that's really cool and unique and interesting and different from a lot of what we usually have on this show and you know in our real lives and stuff like that just cool refreshing unique i really enjoyed watching you get into that description sorry (laughs) i emote with my hands folks and you can't see it i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's about it for the kona review for i would say so do you have any pop culture news and reviews to uh shower upon us i got one little tidbit then please bit your tids with us. Ew. Feel free to cut that out if you want. I'm going to. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Seatbelts, everyone. It was announced a few days ago that Elizabeth Banks will star as Miss Frizzle in a new live action hybrid magic school bus movie, which is based on the beloved children's books from Scholastic and the animated television series. Banks will also produce the new movie through her Brownstone Productions banner for Universal Pictures. Uh, Scholastic Entertainment, which is also working on an Animorphs movie, a Goosebumps movie, which I mentioned a few episodes ago, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and a Clifford the Big Red Dog film. (laughs) Um, They're also developing the project 
with Mark Platt Productions. So obviously, Lily Tomlin played the original Miss Frizzle in the animated television series, and it was perfection. Uh, And more recently, Kate McKinnon lent her voice to Miss Frizzle's sister, Fiona, in the Magic School Bus Rides Again. And that came out in 2017 on Netflix. Honestly, I have yet to watch it myself. I'm ashamed to say. Um, I know. I used to be so obsessed with the, the books. I have a couple VHS tapes. Um, and I even had the game for Sega Genesis. It was fantastic. <laughs> so Elizabeth Banks will be the first person to step into Miss Frizzle's shoes in quite some time. Um, but personally, I love her. I think she's fantastic. So I think she's going to do a really good job. And I, I have uh, high hopes for the movie. Cool. I've never yeah. a big Magic School Bus person growing up. Oh, but I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> what you got? What do I have? I don't know, because my phone dropped off the couch a while ago. Oopsie. And now there's a dog on your lap. Damn it. Big news from the world of Amazon Prime. The boys are back in town in September. Uh. (laughs) So the boys season two will premiere September 4th with three episodes the same day, which is really cool. Then the remaining five episodes of the second season every Friday uh, up through October 9th. Series creator Eric Kripke says it's going to be a crazier, stranger, more intense, more emotional. In fact, it's too much. So the Surgeon General has insisted we air the first three episodes on September 4th, then air the remaining five episodes weekly after that. What? We wanted to give you time to freak out, digest, discuss, come down from the high before we give you another dose. <laughs> and that is a uh, quote direct from him. It's going to be awesome. Pat Oswalt's going to be a guest star in season Ooh. two. So I've already talked about how season one was my favorite show of, I guess, last year, this year. It feels last so year? long ago. I watched it so what is quick. Time? <laughs> I don't know. It's an amazing, amazing show. I won't go into how much I love it because I, I gushed and gushed on one of our other episodes. <laughs> yeah, you Check did. Check it out. <laughs> uh, but season two from what I've already heard is going to be crazy and crazy. And for anybody who's read the comics and go, Oh, I know how it's going to go. It's already kind of gone off from what the comics were Mm -hmm. in some big ways, but also it could still end up that way. But also who cares? You're getting a new experience in this, in this world, like the Spider-Man movies and the other superhero comic book movies don't always go the way that the originals do, but you are interested because of the characters Mm -hmm. and the characters definitely make this show. And the way they treat superheroes and celebrity and sexism and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really interesting. And the way they uh, just amp up the violence and comedy and just it's mad. It's a it's a crazy, crazy show. And it's unlike anything else that you, you see on TV right now. So check it out if you can. Season two, September 4th. Catch up. You got plenty of time to catch up on season one. I think season one's only eight or eight to ten episodes. So That's check it out for sure for sure another bit of news i have is uh, actually a little interesting news so apparently netflix is being sued by the conan doyle estate really because in the new sherlock holmes based film anola holmes Mm -hmm. which is uh based on a book series by nancy springer about sherlock holmes younger sister yep we talked about that a few episodes ago apparently has an emotional Sherlock Holmes. So they are suing for copyright infringement and trademark violations because 
And here's where it gets interesting. In 2014, Mm -hmm. it was ruled that all of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories written before 1923 were public domain. Okay. So only the last 10 stories are still owned trademark wise by the Conan Doyle estate. The ones written between 1923 and 1927. So in those last stories, the difference between the public domain stories and the copyright ones apparently are emotions according to the estate. Because what? the latter stories are the only ones where Sherlock Holmes really shows emotions. Which according to them, story-wise, after losing his son and his brother, uh, Mycroft Holmes, that Sherlock Holmes became a warmer, more emotional person in the final bit of stories in the in the um <clears throat> in the series so because he is a an emotional and warm sherlock holmes to his younger sister in these books i would assume the books as well as the netflix series although it seems like they're only yeah. suing netflix because let's be honest netflix, netflix has, has a ton of money so now let's go after him yeah so they want to sue the crap out of netflix for using sherlock holmes which i think is very That's very a interesting very complicated yeah because they think that henry cavill sherlock in the film is based on character traits that are owned by the estate uh in 2015 they also sued traits though in 2015 they sued miramax over mr holmes and that case was eventually settled though that lawsuit was regarding the movie dealing with sherlock holmes retirement which is only part of his final stories so they dealt with something that's only part of his final stories which my guess is I'm wondering if they had a problem with Sherlock Holmes too. Then, out of the shadows, where mm-hmm. they dealt with Moriarty and the the final scene at the waterfall with Moriarty, yep, is absolutely the last book because Sherlock Holmes dies. Spoiler <laughs> alert for a hundred year story, hundred year old story, uh, in the final book. Yeah, and that's what Sherlock Holmes out of the shadows. I think it's out of the shadows. Uh, the second one deals with. Mm-hmm. So my guess is the Conan Doyle estate's just really mad that they don't own the trademark anymore and is trying to go all Disney on Netflix. But it's it's pretty interesting That's because what yeah, it sounds like but it, yeah. you're suing them based on emotion and character trait. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, you're using a character that actually shows emotion. First of all, I have never seen a Sherlock story presented, despite varying Sherlock Holmes, where he doesn't show some kind of emotion mm-hmm. that he doesn't care for Watson in his own weird way, mm-hmm. and or the victims and stuff like that. Every once in a while, even. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch's really emotionless Vulcan Sherlock still shows emotion and warmth at times. You need that in a main character to watch him. Otherwise, how are you supposed to relate to the character? They did not sue the BBC. So I think that's very, very. Sorry for the interruption, folks. Mr. Softy has just made a loop down our block. This is the second time he drove in the past- backwards down our one way street. Are you serious? Is that what that was? He's basically torturing Mike personally right now. This is a show of, of strength of character for him to not go running downstairs with a fiver right now. They're only three dollars. <sighs> <laughs> where was I? I was just going to ask, where were you? <laughs> But they didn't sue the uh, they didn't go after the BBC, which I think is really weird, almost like they knew they weren't going to win by suing the government. Mm -hmm. But they think they can win suing Netflix or probably that Netflix will just settle and throw them a couple of bones. Yeah, this sounds like a total cash grab. If you wanted to do something with your 
great, great grandfather's estate or whatever, you should have developed it on your own. Mm -hmm. You should have gotten a producer or screenwriter and said, you get a chunk of the profits. Let's make something. Let's go. Because then you can slap your name out. They do that with the Ian Fleming estate with James Bond in the books. Oh, they do? Oh, yeah. The okay. Ian Fleming estate is still in control of who becomes the author and stuff. Although James Bond obviously is way older than uh, Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. by like 40 years. But Oh, wow. Because James Bond came out after World War II. But still, it just seems a little, it seems a little I don't know, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> seems kind of petty, but I thought that was really interesting that you're suing based on the fact that Sherlock Holmes is friendly or cares for his younger sister. Yeah, I think it's a weird thing to sue over. Extremely. It does. It's not a good PR. It does not have good PR. No, no not bad at optics, all. Bad optics. <laughs> and my last bit of news mm-hmm. goes along with our uh, kind of. Tropical feel for this episode, I suppose. The summeriness of it. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Uh-oh. So apparently, uh, for the second time, they're looking, Disney is looking to reboot or retool or whatever it is, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Why do they need to reboot it, though? Because did you see the last two films? No. You saw the film before the Actually, last. You saw I the film not. before the last film. Yeah, with the mermaid. The world's end. It sucked. Yeah. So. So they. This is them trying to redo it without Johnny Depp. Can I finish my oh, new okay, story? Okay. God. God. So apparently, <laughs> the new Pirates of the Caribbean. It's an early development because okay. obviously everything at this point, uh, if it's not already made, is an early development because no one can really do much right now. Until the new normal gets established. Facts. Uh, At Disney, with Margot Robbie attached to Star and her Birds of Prey screenwriter, Christina Hudson, aboard to script. Mm -hmm. So the female-led project, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, is not intended to be a spinoff of the long-running franchise that had uh, pirate Jack Sparrow at its center, but rather a wholly original story with new characters under the pirate's moniker. So, eh. Apparently, it's going to be separate from the other Pirates reboot that remains in the work. Okay. From Ted Elliott and Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. So they're trying to spin it off into multiple projects. Hopefully, it's not the new Ghostbusters movie where it's just like, it's all female. And that's all the movie's about. Just for the sake of being female. Because the Ghostbusters reboot was garbage. Like, that's not the right way to do it, folks. (laughs) You cast the best person for the character. But Birds of Prey. I really liked. I thought Birds of Prey was really good. And Margot Robbie's really good. So I hope it's really good. Yeah. Again, I said really good like 80 times right there. Really good. I really liked Birds of Prey, though. I thought it was very interesting. The comedy was there. It wasn't just... I mean, it was definitely a girl power movie, Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. But it it was not... We're just all girls. We're Batman all girls. Like, that's... Yeah. And it wasn't that Ghostbusters was all female that ended up bomb making it bomb. It was the fact that it was joyless and not funny hopefully with the birds of prey and margot robbie it might be interesting i think it's kind of weird to try to spin off of a movie that you're going to be stopping anyway and Mm -hmm. you're going to kind of phase out the old cast with your new reboot and just put it in the same universe but also not have any of the original characters yeah that seems a little awkward it's kind of like slow slow your roll yeah do your next pirates movie if it is good and works, mm-hmm. 
maybe do your Margot Robbie movie or maybe do a sequel to that to make sure your universe is established. Instead of going, let's just make 12 Pirates of the Caribbean because your last two Pirates of the Caribbean were not good and showed that audiences are really not all that interested in pirates anymore, at least of the Caribbean, that universe you've established. Mm -hmm. I mean, ain't nobody don't like pirates. That's they they cool AF. But yeah, I don't like. I There's hated lots that. of different kinds to choose from. I hated Pirates 4 so much, I still have not yet watched the newest one with Javier Bardem. Oh, wow. Because I just don't care. <laughs> and then you're going to ask me to watch two more movies in four years taking place in the same universe, kind of, but in separate places that have no established characters. Yeah, they're going to have to really build this up and like, uh, explain yeah. what makes it different and better. Like, eh. But... I don't know. Margot Robbie's really good as Harley Quinn, and she's—I could definitely see her have a Jack Sparrow-like attitude as a oh, pirate. Oh, for sure. And obviously, within history, there are plenty of female pirates. Yeah. So, I'm cautiously optimistic about that one being okay, mm-hmm. but just the fact that they're rebooting the universe and creating all these different spinoffs already is just kind of like—it seems premature. Didn't really work well for Star Wars so far. Yeah. So let's slow, slow your roll, slow, yeah. slow it down a bit. But yeah, that's what the news I got. Very nice. <laughs> drink your tropical drink. Drink up, me hearties. You're home. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken One Open or Shoot us an email at open at gmail.com. And if you're a brewery listening to this episode and you want us <laughs> to feature your beer on the episode, let us know. Reach out to us on that over that email. Let us know what beer you have coming out, a little bit about the beer. Let us know if you want us to, if it's close by, we live in Southern Connecticut, we can come down to you or We'd we could even come to you. send you or we can come. Yeah, we'll come down to you or, you know, we can do a Zoom call or just a pre-recorded question and answer where you answer some questions we write down for you so you can be on the show to feature your own beer and advertise it. We would love to have you guys on. We think that would be great. Kona, if you're listening, your beer is <laughs> great. If you want to fly us down to check you out, please <laughs> feel free. I mean, I'll, I'll take that hit. It, it'll be tough for me to have to <laughs> leave on a plane to go to Hawaii. Big but, dreams right here. Uh, and, and just in case you're worried, Connecticut has the lowest rate of coronavirus now in the contiguous United States. So I mean, it's we're safe. We're safe. I'll quarantine for two weeks in Hawaii if I need to before then. Anyway, that's my horn out. Wait, (laughs) but that's not the end of it. But that's not all, folks. If you like the sound of my voice and me horn myself out, I've got two other (laughs) podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about movies that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the audience simply didn't catch on in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe what we don't love, fun facts about its production and why it was forgotten. Forgotten Cinema comes out Every Wednesday, without fail, we do fun commercials. We're all over the social medias. You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. I've also got two player bros that I do with my buddy Dave Cannon, where we're two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave every every Thursday as we talk (laughs) about games on PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC, VR. We play all of them. We look at all of them. We'll preview or review and give you some news every other week. And then we'll do a deep dive on post game presented by two players every other week from that. 
where we do a deep dive into your favorite game, whether it be a new release or a classic game. That's two player bros at twoplayerbros.com. Releases every Thursday, all part of Forgotten Entertainment. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers. Wait. What? Till next time. Aloha. Aloha. I like it.